Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners and comic book fans alike to this slightly delayed edition of the Film Film Podcast. I'm Patch, and with me coming back from the Speed Force just in time to have this conversation is my best friend and co-host, Aaron. Hello, hello. I wish I could do that again, because I felt like I messed it up. So maybe we should go back in time and do it, and then mess up, and then Make maybe sure I'll you eat that. a lot of yeah. sandwiches before you do a lot, it. A lot of peanut butter sandwiches from yep. a, an uppity an uppity coffee joint, apparently. <laughs> All right. Well, this week we actually get to talk about a movie that, for many reasons, has just now found its way into the movie theaters. I have constantly joked uh anytime i see a trailer for it or an ad for it i'm like that's not real it's the unicorn it has become the unicorn of movies that just don't show up and you know it was that way with top gun maverick and it made its way and we were like yes it came to the theater and well we'll get into our response to it so it comes to us by way of several potential directors and screenwriters one of the reasons one of the many reasons it was delayed and it's coming on the eve of uh, the DC Universe kind of revamping itself under the headship of James Gunn. So without any more introductions, this is your spoiler warning. Listen to it. Don't listen to it. We really don't care. I mean, it's our podcast. So if you want to be spoiled, great, without having to watch it or listen, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Watch The Flash. Listen to our show. Go right ahead. Okay, Aaron. This was an anticipated one for me. If it's not Superman. It's the Flash. I know you and I have an affinity, a a love for Spider-Man mutually, and we've gotten a lot of great iterations of that character. I've always said that Henry Cavill has become my Superman, even against Christopher Reeve. No disrespect to, to him by any means. We talked about that in our coverage of the original Superman movies. And I wanted so badly to really, really love this because the Flash is such a unique character for me. He is the closest we get to the quippy Spider-Man. He had the, (laughs) just like with Spider-Man, he sort of had the powers thrust upon him via an accident. And so I think when it comes to comic book stories, you're going to have similarities. And even in DC, you have repetition a little bit between, you know, if I talk about a a rich uh, entrepreneur who moonlights as a superhero, it could be Batman or it could be Green Lantern. You know, so these are Green Arrow. Definitely not Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> or no, sorry, Green Arrow. Green Arrow, yeah. not Green Lantern. Sorry, my bad. It was Green something. But I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you know having similarities across party lines, across comic book lines. And so coming into this, The Flash was the next thing. And when we got to the DCEU and Zack Snyder's deal and everything that was going on with it, out of out of Zack Snyder's Justice League, we got, okay, we got Ezra Miller. We got The Flash. We feel like we got the tone right. And then it dropped on us, and I want to start by talking about the box office numbers. Like it was very disappointing. You sent me a a, a tweet or a screenshot of the fact that it's not doing well at all. And I, I wanted to just ask this as a broad stroke question. This might be a a critical response uh, from from you, or just kind of a question I've I've had that I wanted to bring up. What keeps a movie like this from being successful beyond just the the the, the movie itself? So most moviegoers. Don't go see it, I guess, based off of critical reviews. I guess that would be one thing. But I wonder why the response is so underwhelming. Is it because of the past with Ezra Miller? Is it because of the shakeup with the DCEU? Is it all those things? What are your thoughts on that? Well, this is a unique situation. Uh, I mean, it is, I think, a mixture of reasons for this movie that is failing. I think there's the unique reason of its star leading character uh, the actor who portrays the leading character has been a mainstay in the news over the last year and a half for several uh, non-positive interactions with the public including potential criminal charges and you know they've been in and out of like counseling and all sorts of things so much so that when you take the person that is supposed to be the title character of your film and you cannot use them in the marketing i think there's an absolute like negative effect on the box office when that happens particularly i believe that since 
Ezra couldn't be in the marketing and couldn't be on the campaign trail because of people not wanting to see them in this role, that it would get to the point where now you have to find some way else to market your film. So how are you going to do that? Well, after multiple like iterations of this story and them trying to shoehorn in the Flashpoint idea to reboot Zack Snyder's universe to get rid of it because Warner Brother doesn't know what they're doing and it's all chaos. There's all these things like they converged, right? Then you have to spend your marketing on your cameos because that's all that's left. And so what you end up doing is you end up giving us all of the parts of the movie that I would have enjoyed not having any idea were going to be there, but already having seen every bit of the best possible moments of the movie and really not feeling surprised in the slightest. And on top of all that, I think DC or not DC, but I guess Warner Brothers felt compelled to combat the potential negative reaction due to Ezra Miller by going hard on fan screenings. I know I told you about this. They have had dozens and dozens of early screenings for like four weeks leading up to the actual release of this movie in major cities. I had a friend locally who saw it three times before I even got to my press screening. So the the strategy was to like get the movie out in front of its fans now, the movie that they saw before the press, before the final cut, they saw it, the movie cuts as the person is getting out of the car at the end of the movie, the foot comes out of the car, and then it cuts, and it didn't have the post-credit scene. So they lose one surprise, and that was it. But like, I think the, the idea was they wanted to get the fans, the hardcore fans, to go see it early. To say it was the best thing since sliced bread with peanut butter and hope that that was going to drive the box office results versus like what they probably anticipated was going to be a critical lashing. And I I just think it's a convergence of all of those things. So I think that the people that saw it early, not enough of them loved it enough that they wanted to rush back to see this final one scene. So you you cut off a big part of your box office. Now I don't know how many that would be. I don't I mean it's got to be several millions of tickets, but I don't know that it would have made a significant difference. I think it's just cursed, man. Like you you've been joking about it for years that it wasn't even going to ever come out and it didn't really exist. It feels to me watching this movie exactly like I would expect when everything about it has been a disaster. You don't you don't take a bunch of rotten ingredients and throw them together and go, all right, it's not a great chance, but it might come out as a masterpiece like it's going to be the best recipe ever. And, and this is a five star meal, even though all of our ingredients are rotten. It doesn't work like that. And I, I felt yeah. very much like this was just a product of exactly. I, I'm not surprised, I should say. Yeah. Well, as a as a fan of the character. I'm willing to forego all of that stuff. And I'm even willing to say it's not a dumpster fire because I think that's such a cheap way of just saying I hated the movie and this is what I do to get clicks. I was actually thumbing through YouTube and I ran across a review that, of course, the algorithm just led me to all these other ones that are just like just lambasting the thing. And I'm like, OK, there's only so many ways you can say you hate something. So let's not. And this is the feeling film DNA that's coming out. I would say my reaction to it as a spectator, as an audience member, is that it's not a mess, but more of a mashup of ideas that just doesn't execute as well as it could have. And I think in some ways, Aaron, you're right, it personifies every bit of vision that went into the movie over these last several years. Forget that Ezra Miller and all of the drama surrounding that actor that existed. I, I was willing to just sort of ignore that. It just doesn't work because so many things are happening that are trying to get executed in a way that by the time we get to its finale, I'm asking myself, where are we? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get to that question later. But I think for me, my frustration comes from the fact that, as you said, all the best parts were sort of shown to us. And 
people will say, well, you know what? Michael Keaton, he, he stole the show. No, I don't think he did. I mean, I think it was great seeing him in the bat suit and he's definitely a favorite bat man of mine. But no, he didn't steal the show. Nobody stole the show. I felt like Michael Shannon was a waste because you put all of these impactful characters on screen and it makes me as a fan go, okay, who's the important one here? Because by the time we get to the third act, I don't know who I'm I'm really trying to feel for at this point. Is it Supergirl? Is it Flash? Is it Barry Allen? And I, I separate those two because there is some separation there. Is it the universe? Is it the multiverse? Who is it? And the messaging was just not clear. I think that coming out of that, I wanted cohesion. And I didn't need a five-star movie to have cohesion. This is kind of, I had to catch myself because there were a lot of moments where I was like, ooh, ooh. And then I thought, I got the same feeling from Justice League. Not Zack Snyder's Justice League. But I was like, that was great. And then I had to come down to earth and go, okay, let's look at this in the greater context. Was it really the best way to tell that story? And I won't say that watching Zack Snyder's Justice League proved it that it wasn't that way. I think we've had this conversation when we talked about uh, Zack Snyder's JL in that Joss Whedon had to do a lot <laughs> with a lot <laughs> and to condense that and, and do it. And, and kudos to him. The Flash felt like the same thing except they had the resources, except they had the money, except they had the vision. They had multiple visions, and they didn't seem to want to decide on one. And therefore, the end result is that we got multiple characters, these subplots that didn't really take us anywhere, and we're left with a sort of question mark at the end. So I think that's kind of how I left. Um, there were sparks. There were <laughs> there were moments that gave me like a laugh here and there or made me kind of fist pump. But I, I felt like I was being manipulated a little bit in a bad way. Oh, I, yeah, I think I. so I will say this. All of those like reasons I gave for the box office failure can be summed up in one thing, Patrick. The movie's not a quality movie. It's a right. mess and it feels like a mess and it got reviewed like a mess and people aren't going to rush out to see a mess. Like it's I think that's a big part of it, like the bottom line of it. Right. Like there are bad movies that are that people dislike like say morbius and the venom movies right but they're they're tonally consistent even if people don't like that tone and so there are people that do like that tone and that will go see it and champion those movies the worst thing you can be is either boring or uncertain i think those are like the two kind of worst things and you just said it this is very uncertain with itself and i don't necessarily put any fault on even the filmmaker. I, I, I really wanted to give Andy Machete a pass because I was like, you came into a, a difficult situation with two or three other iterations of this film trying to Warner brothers is really at fault more than anybody. But then the director has been out here talking about how like he has made some really awfully dumb comments and tried to, you know, claim that the the fans are wrong and just I don't know. He's just he's got he's really out there with his comments. He's off base. And I'm nervous because this guy's about to make a Batman Brave and the Bull movie. And so I'm worried, but I'm also trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, he's gonna get to make that movie his way, start to finish. You know, he made it. Those were good movies. We'll see what happens. But I just don't think that Warner Brothers ever gave this a chance because they were so dead set on the end goal. And this is part of what really can really screw you up anytime you're in a creative hobby of any kind or, or creative work environment. When you decide what the end is going to be and then you're forcing yourself to try and get there and they never let this actually redevelop. Th this Flashpoint idea and this bringing back Zod you know, nobody wanted this. This was not interesting at all. Maybe if Zack Snyder had done it and it stayed consistent in tone with just, uh, his Justice League and with his entire franchise and it actually had a, a Superman component of Henry Cavill, maybe this storyline could have worked. But even, what's his face, Michael Shannon commented and said when they asked him to do this, he, he, he did it and he was surprised. He's like, yeah, but I'm dead. <laughs> and they had to explain it to him. That was hilarious. But then... He said that he's like, I just 
fought in a big desert open space. He's like, this was nothing. This is boring. He's like, there's nothing interesting about my final scene. He was very candid about it. He said, comparatively to the, the scenes that he had, you know, in town in Kansas, and then also in Metropolis, the chaos and the craziness, none of that is present. It's just a big wide open desert and some CGI throwing each other around. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the first challenges that I had going into this was that it reminded me a lot of Fast 10 going back to something that was so successful. Now, call Man of Steel what you will. For us, it's top notch. Masterpiece? Even though is, I, that, is that masterpiece? Can we, can we, it's, it's a masterpiece. It's, it's fantastic. I, I, think it's in the, I think it's in the trophy room. Oh, it is. Maybe, oh, is it, it is. Trip? Okay. Even with my reservations about the long, drawn-out fight. So it's funny you mentioned that about, about Shannon's role as Zod in Man of Steel that I felt like it was really drawn out, but it was thought out too. You know, criticize Zack Snyder all you want about his big scenes. I would take him over <laughs> Michael Bay, honestly, because his scenes, they're long, but they feel more artistic. Uh, this is not a comparison by any means conversation. My point being that there is a, when you go back to that, you're doing two things. One, you're saying that movie was quality and we need to tap back into it. And two, we need to be able to, uh, we are we are actually cheapening it by trying to recreate something that took so much like weight with it. And Zack Snyder had a tonally consistent story that he was telling between, between Man of Steel, BVS, and his Justice League. And the consistency of that, as you mentioned, like with Morpheus or these movies that some people just don't like. Same thing. I loved his tone. And I'm not one of these guys championing, bring back the Snyderverse. No, I think his trilogy is good. Let's just leave it like it is. And I say this to Zach, because I know you're listening. Stop tweaking it. Don't make it black and white. Don't add junk to it. It's fine. It's good. Leave it alone. <laughs> we can we can wish and we can hope that someday we'll get stories from that. But I'm willing to just let it go and, and let it be its thing because it was good. And I'm willing to forgive Warner Brothers to admit, hey, look, we're not going to try to create this interconnected universe. We want our creators to create and create good stories, just like our comic books. We don't have to have Batman having a conversation with Wonder Woman, who's having a conversation with The Flash, in order to make things feel cohesive. Marvel's doing that, and they're doing great at it, sometimes to a fault, where everything has to feel like it connects. DC, to an extent... The movies that were successful were movies that had nothing to do with anything that came before them. Wonder Woman, Aquaman. And then you had this culmination of what Snyder was doing, independent of these others. And I think that when you get to The Flash, what you're essentially doing is you're sort of giving the middle finger to those movies and saying, okay, we're just going to take the best of this and we're going to move it here and we're going to create it as a plot point. And what you get is a cheap version of Zod that I cared nothing about. And you intercut that with three characters who can't beat him and that doesn't tell me that he's all powerful that tells me that you need you need kal-el you need the man of steel okay i like supergirl as much as anybody but she's no man of steel she, that's why you're a cousin you're not a sister okay you're not from the house of, of l directly okay that's all i'm saying no. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny that's good no, I, but yeah so go ahead I, I don't know i i have such issues with her involvement I, she is so pointless in this and I, and I'm not this is not an affront to the actress herself to her ability to give a good performance to me everything about the character in this movie is awful it, it from conception to execution like I didn't get any sort of emotion from her any sort of like arc from her that's the thing she starts one way she finishes one way she supposedly has some miraculous change of heart after like one five second scene and then save somebody to bury because she cares, I, it, but other, but there's no emotion really behind it. It's a really awkward directed performance. In my opinion, I, I feel like she is being told to play this a certain way. And what really killed me with this, Patrick, again, with, you know, I hate to say, Oh, you should have just had Henry Cavill. Why'd you fire him? I mean, that's the answer, but the marketing, this is where it failed me. And it took this movie from being, Potentially like forgettable, enjoyable, like I can handle like fast, not fast 10 or whatever, whatever the last one was <laughs> like I have no desire to really rewatch it. 
it was almost like objectively, I would say bad, but I still had enough fun. It was entertained enough by elements of it that I could just turn off my brain and be fine. This is I Fast Ten A, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so that's what makes sure we're talking about the same movie, okay. dude. I don't even know anymore. Everything has like fifteen sequels. You said it yourself. This year, everything's like two parts. Uh, it's <laughs> exactly. it's nuts. But my point being, the difference is that because I knew going into this movie that Supergirl was the end goal, you cannot sell me on Barry Allen walking into the Batcave and being like, we need to go find Superman. Let's go find Superman. And then it being played to us like it's some big, shocking mystery when he walks in. Had none of this been in the marketing, had we not known that Henry Cavill was no longer playing Superman, had they just simply not put that out several months ago, right? Even if you had made the decision, don't put any Superman in this. Just allude to the fact that Barry's got to find some superheroes and show a Superman cape or something. We, as an audience, would have been salivating, wanting to know who was going to be in that cell. Was it Henry Cavill? Was it some other Superman? Was it a Supergirl? We wouldn't have known. And it, like Barry, we would have been with the character and we would have actually been surprised and going through a whole like layer of different emotions as we went through the story. And instead, it's a joke. Like I'm looking at it and I'm, I'm honestly like almost laughing at the character accidentally because I'm like, what are you, you, it's Supergirl. Like, why are you acting like it's going to be Superman? You're going to be so disappointed. I don't know. To me, that just is a complete failure uh, because of the way the story tries to. Maybe that's where you were coming in with manipulated. Like it wants you to be surprised, but you're not surprised because it's already told you what's going to be there behind that door. Yeah. And the same thing with Michael Keaton. This is this is where I get really frustrated with these kinds of reveals. And these these are your aces in the hole. OK, Supergirl would be an ace in the hole. And so would Michael Keaton's Batman. All those things would work, even if you ignored the fact that you were forcing me to care about the end of Michael Keaton's Batman, maybe the short lived and end of Supergirl, maybe. And then you put me in a position to get to the end of all this. And I asked the, the pivotal question, did Anything really change with what we knew is this DC timeline? This is this is my biggest frustration. It did because somebody else stepped out of that car. But that's so stupid. But we that's don't know so what changed. And so what's the point? But yeah. that's the thing is I don't care at this point. Like, I don't either. I, I, I'm thinking, who? Great. Clooney with his with his nipples is coming out of this car. OK, well. I'm not concerned about what else has changed. Okay, does that mean Henry Cavill's back in the suit? Or he better be. I mean, if you're going to change some things, the my, my frustration comes from the fact that you've cheapened, now you've cheapened Michael Keaton's Batman because you've used him as a means to an end. His death doesn't matter because the multiverse, he's alive somewhere else. I mean, Barry said that, or his dad said that. I want to believe that your mom is alive somewhere else in another universe. Okay, cool. And we've had this conversation too about you bring back somebody for the multiverse and you kill him. <laughs> because there are multiple, multi there's an infinite number. So why do stakes even matter at this point? All that nonsense about, uh, first of all, I, I thought I thought Keaton was great in this. I mean, he doesn't look, he looks older, but he doesn't look like disheveled by any means. Like he looks good in the suit. But his whole purpose along with Kara feels like a means to an end to get Barry back to where he was with potentially one thing changing, maybe a multiple multitude of things. And if it is a multitude of things, I don't care enough to wonder what else has changed. If that's your way, James Gunn of saying it resets the DCU. Uh, okay. I, I suppose, but it seems like it's your way of trashing everything that came before you and not celebrating it as you think you did. And I'll get to that in, well, let me just go ahead and get to that. This whole what I call the multiverse of cinematic highlights. Well, before AKA. you do that, I want to okay. I want to chime in on Michael Keaton. Uh, okay, you know, as as the Batman guy. So obviously, I love Michael Keaton. I don't get into this debate about who's the best Batman though, because I think it's dumb. Guess why, Patrick? Because I like Batman. Yeah, and I like all the Batmans. 
and and I'm happy that we've got lots of Batmans and I don't need to like argue about one being better than the other. This is not directed at you. This is directed at the world at large. Uh, But did I think it was cool? I think it would have been cooler if we stuck with the real Flashpoint and instead of getting Michael Keaton as Batman, they could have even teased him in the marketing and then made him Thomas Wayne. And we would have had some semblance of something interesting. But since they brought him back and they put him in the marketing, my issue was not him, nor his best he could possibly do with what the material he was given performance. My issue was with, again, the way that the film tries to use him as cameo fodder. And I just went and rewatched Across the Spider-Verse yesterday with my kids for Father's Day. And it's does this movie no favors because they are so glaringly different in how they handle it. When spoilers for Across the Spider-Verse, sorry, people, but like when Miles walks across the Spider Society and you get a couple of little Marvel Easter eggs, you get a little little screen that shows you Tobey Maguire's face. And it's really small, actually. Or you get a screen of like Andrew Garfield crying or you get Donald Glover with one line. Really funny. Uh, But you don't they don't call themselves out. They don't linger. Embellished this movie. I could not enjoy Keaton saying things from his previous Batman movie because the camera frames him in the center of the screen all of a sudden. And then it slow zooms up to him as he's saying the repeating these famous phrases. And the you want to get nuts and then it pauses and it gets closer and it's like, let's get nuts. And it's him. It's like just him, his face in the center of the frame. And it is so. I guess manipulative is a good word for it, but it is to me, it's just pointless. Like it's worthless mm-hmm. nostalgia. Uh, because what to me, what a good cameo is, is you allude to things or I don't know, you make a joke about it somehow, like in a conversation, the word getting nuts comes up and like there's a there's a reference, but you don't you don't nail it on the head. You let the audience, you respect them and you trust that they're going to pick up on this thing. But it didn't do that. Instead, it's like, no, we need you to care about this moment because this is all we got to sell you guys. And and I just was offended by that. Uh, yeah. And I, I was like, Michael Keaton deserved better if he was going to be in this personally. So, yeah, I, I think that particular line bugged me because it didn't have any weight to what was being talked about. Like, no, it felt out of place. Out of the- the line. <laughs> it's not like Ezra said, let's get because- nuts. Yeah. He just went yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, I think if he said, you want to get nuts? And then if Ezra had said, no, I, I want to go fight the bad guys, like, leave it at that. That would have been really funny because that would have been funny. It would have left us going, like, <laughs> Uh, okay yeah (laughs) i agree exactly mix it up a little somehow but yeah you know so so the thing about nostalgia or as we talked about on the show intertextuality the ability to you know the need to call back to things or to to refer back to something previously um it it works and it doesn't feel manipulative when it's so on the nose as you mentioned the things in spider-verse just paying a little tribute little 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 head nod like yep yep we know about you what works in Spider-Verse is those things matter to the plot, but they're not front and center. You could have gone through the entire movie of The Flash without Batman because he didn't do anything. To be honest, all he did was explain the multiverse, the spaghettiverse, which I thought was a really kind of a great. That's one of the highlights for me. I love the way he explained the spaghettiverse. It was so fantastic. And I did, too. I, yeah, people were complaining about it being convoluted. And I was like, this is the least convoluted. I, maybe yeah. you I thought it was a really well explained multiverse idea. And I, it thought was it was, cute. I thought it was. Great. Yeah, I was I was on yeah. board with that. So I, I think that coupled with what we get near the end of all the universes colliding. So I didn't have necessarily an issue with that. I didn't have an issue seeing all these worlds colliding and starting to converge, you know, I could see that it was sort of a tribute to the history of DC as a, as a movie and TV show property. Cool. I'm even willing to forgive some of the CG stuff, which look, I don't, I've gone on record as saying, I don't notice bad CGI necessarily. I'm okay with quote bad CGI when it's intentional and the sort of oversaturated, you know, the, the looks and whatever of inside the, the wheel of time or whatever it is. I was okay with that. I thought that was, you know, it's it's good to be different than regular CG 
to differentiate yourself when you're not in the real world. So, okay, Christopher Reeve and, you know, Supergirl, okay. Um, what I didn't like was that <laughs> they didn't stop. They, they, they deconverged. It's like, oh, you saved the multiverse, and now the multiverse is there. So here's the thing. The biggest game changer for me would have been if those universes had collided, and now we start over, because that's what Flashpoint did. That is absolutely what happened back in the 1980s when they had all these multiverses and they created that huge event that basically just said, nope, we're down to one. That would have been great. I could accept that. I could accept that as a plot point. But nope, Barry learned his lesson. And by the way, he manipulates time. So he, did he really learn his lesson? And now everything gets devolved, including this goofy Nick Cage Superman that's not even canon. It's part of Hollywood gossip and Hollywood history. That frustrates me. It's a fun little moment. I'm like, oh yeah, I get that. But nobody else who knows the history of that Superman, Tim Burton Superman, is going to know or care. They're going to be like, why is Nick Cage in a Superman outfit? It It's that kind of stuff that goes overboard, that plays too much into nostalgia and intertextuality that you're trying to create in-jokes as a means to think you're celebrating, but you're really just depleting and diluting the rich history of of the universe collide them go back to one at that point you're acknowledging the fact that there's a rich history of these characters in cinema and television and that it's time to move forward this would have been a fantastic way for warner brothers to say we recognize the past but we're looking to the future and that moment where it didn't happen where it just reversed itself really frustrated me because it's like you can't let the past go let it go, Barry. Let it go, Warner Brothers. And the whole movie was about getting rid of the past. That's what they wanted yes. to do is get rid of Snyder. Like, don't try to act like you're not the villain. We all know. Lean in. Own it. Like, own it. Be, just It's like this whole movie. Be Zod. Make some choices. Just make a choice. And go all in on your choice instead of trying to, like, please both sides, which is what this movie really tried to do. And as I said in the beginning, when something tries to do that, it almost always will be far inferior to anything that goes all the way, one way or the other. I don't like, there's a ton of like auteur directors that I just don't like their stuff. Ari Aster and his like elevated horror type stuff and, you know, Yorgos Lanthimos and his like weird kind of funky abstract type plots. Like I don't like that stuff, but I sure as heck respect those filmmakers because they have a vision and they can execute their vision. It's not for me <laughs> at all, but like it is high quality and that's all I, I wanted. Uh, I, I did, I do want to praise a couple of things. So I, I do like the multiverse. Uh, I am thrilled that you did too. I couldn't believe how many people I saw like were complaining about it. I was like, what are you talking about? I thought this was really good for once. It was just simple <laughs> and it made sense. Yeah. And the Flash, the parts of this movie that actually are not all of the parts, but like story wise, the parts that are the Flash. So Barry and I thought Ezra Miller's performance was fantastic. Yes. Agreed. Both Barry's. I didn't love the characters because they're really weird, anxious characters and <laughs> they're just yeah. weird choices. But the performance is phenomenal and he is able to make both of them work so well, uniquely. And so I thought that, that that they were really good. And then I thought using the dark flash was it made perfect sense to me. And the fact that Barry has messed up the timeline and, you know, there's just a little bit there. I, I, don't, I didn't get enough of him really feeling so compelled about saving his mom. I think you're trying to do so much in this movie. Like, that's one of the places I wanted more than more Michael Keaton and Supergirl. I needed more backstory on Barry and his mom and then we get one scene there's literally one introductory scene that shows us him as a kid that's it that's our connecting point to his past family that he is so obsessed with trying to save but when Barry does that you know the fact that it creates this dark flash character and and I thought that it looked really cool inside the speed force I thought that visually was the best CGI in the movie I thought all the fighting stuff was mostly pretty subpar there were a couple of like hand to hand combat moments with Michael Keaton and Batman that I enjoyed the 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 I guess action filmmaking part of it looked more practical. Um, but then they would always like throw in some CGI and like 
it was like one of those things where it looks like somebody on a computer screen picked up a character with a mouse and flung it. <laughs> That's the way it is in my head. I'm like, somebody's just like grabbing it with like a little, like a, like a pencil on a screen and flipping it across the screen. And that's what it looks like the character did. Anyway, the CGI did not work for me, nor did it work, especially in that opening scene. This movie was like off to a bad start for me because the whole baby scene and the tone of that, I was like, this is not what I want uh, at all. Yeah. And so it was so just this like is- this mixed bag of stuff. It was, and I think the tone of it, the mixed tone, kind of frustrated me a little bit. Um, but I, but, and, and I'll dog on that for just a second, then I'll talk about some of the stuff I appreciated as well. The, I wanted it to pick something, so there's ways to be funny in moments of of drama, and I felt like we were getting a ha ha funny moment either right after or right before a dramatic moment, and so I didn't have a chance to really sit in any of that uh, in the moments that made me care deeply about these characters so i think if you could trim some of the fat you could take the iris west subplot away i don't think there was any need for for that i think you could get rid of i don't think you get rid of batman because the there's a great there's a great setup with him and bruce in in our in our universe uh with with ben affleck and and then that continuation i thought that was kind of cool that you know he's got this relationship with bruce and then you have three different versions of Bruce that he has to sort of he's gotten to know his Bruce and now he's lost his Bruce and has to get to know this Bruce. And throughout the movie, he's getting to know this Bruce. And then finally, he has to get to know the the Clooney Bruce, apparently. But I think that you could have gotten rid of Kara and and you, you do that by not including Zod. So there has to be something, some some big event that didn't have to even have been created or that didn't have to have existed. You didn't have to go back to Manus, dude. You could have created something like something pretty. Kept it more grounded, left it focused highly on the character trying to save his mom and let Dark Flash be a reoccurring problem that ultimately comes to be the big So he becomes, yeah. The main antagonist himself. Yes. And then the, and then the climax of that is he realizes that that is himself. And the TV show has done this before, which again giving something more time <laughs> gives it a chance to breathe a little bit. But I will say this, I absolutely will co-sign the performance of Ezra Miller. When you have two berries on the screen, the, I never felt like one was a CGI version or one was a double or there was a split screen. It never felt to me like it was the same. It felt like they were twins. Like there were two Ezra Millers, Ezra Miller and Ezra Miller's brother. <laughs> and they were acting back and forth to each other. I agree that some of the weirdness I would have liked to have seen more maturity from our Barry to create differentiation between the Barry that he meets, not just a cheap haircut change or whatever. They felt a little similar to me, but that's hard to do. I mean, speaking of Michael Keaton, multiplicity, he does a fantastic job in that movie. And it's difficult. It's absolutely difficult that? to. Did that pop up in our voodoo this week? Maybe it did. Maybe it did. I, I, I don't just, know. It just, it's Run backwards. Three, for, three movies for 15. And let's, you, you, you told know. me about one. And I went in I and I was one. like, there's a whole bunch of other movies here that yeah, were not I, the I one you. <laughs> I bought three more. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is like 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'd never heard of it. I was like, this is very Patrick. It's me. It, yeah. It's me. Yeah, it's definitely me. Yeah. <laughs> Our voodoo library is very much like this movie, a mixed bag of <laughs> of stuff. I also, because I love Back to the Future, I love the whole dialogue with Barry and Barry and Barry's roommates about, wait a minute. Okay, we're talking about Back to the Future here. Yeah. Oh, man. Eric Stoltz was fantastic. What a great callback to... I mean, as someone who's dogging on the whole thing with Nick Cage, I love that they called back to the fact that in this universe, <laughs> Eric Stoltz actually kept the role of Marty McFly. He didn't get kicked off in favor of that. was really that. funny. It was really great. And then they're like, oh, you mean that guy <laughs> he's talking about Michael Jeff? Oh, you mean that guy in Footloose? No, 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 no. The tattoo is what really no, sold the- it. <laughs> Like, and, oh and it my kept, go- it kept it kept going and i was like wait a minute did kevin bacon was he maverick and top gun because it just kept going and going and going and i love that stuff because it was not only just funny but it played into what uh what bruce was saying about the multiverse that it yes you create it almost expanded on the back to the future 2 explanation of you go back to 
the past and you skew it and it creates a new future. But I love this explanation that it actually creates these diverging futures and pasts. And so you have these like connecting points. That was cool that there were these moments because I think the same thing happens in Spider-Verse. There are these like signposts. I forget what they called them, but there are these um, events that you cannot change that have to happen. And in this, it's sort of a variation of that, that in every timeline, the same thing happens. And I think that that was sort of explained and, and fleshed out in a way near the end of the movie where it was like, you can't change this. You can't change in, in every timeline. These things are going to happen. And I think that those things were executed well for themselves. I just wanted more of that. And I think you, you're right, Aaron, you could have stayed so grounded at a neighborhood type level, you didn't have to go back to something that didn't need to be going back to and introduce characters that were already dead. You could stay with Barry. You could stay with, with future flash or dark flash or whatever we're calling him. And you could have explored the, you could have explored more of this. So I thought, you know, those are, those are kind of missed opportunities for me. Yeah. I mean, I hundred percent agree. I just think that the real interactions between the two berries with i don't even know how to distinguish them but like loser kid berry uh whatever young berry and old berry it's young younger and old. younger berry that doesn't do his own laundry uh right. that berry that I mean, this guy was annoying me man i was like really concerned about this character but that interplay of like him trying to understand what this power that he is going to be able to have and what what the potential of it is and not wanting to give it up like that was a very fascinating thing to play with and makes a lot of sense right i also noted that old barry loses his autistic nature uh when he goes in the past completely is not there at all like he no longer has the anxiety like about him um he's he's been widely said to potentially be like representing someone on the spectrum. So I'm not like trying to make that. It's not saying that as a negative, but those are definitely the traits that he puts forward when he, you see him like at the beginning of the movie, he is, he can't talk, stumbles and stutters all the time. And he is just very anxious all the time and socially awkward. Those qualities are gone. And I tried to figure out if it was at first, I thought maybe it was a plot hole or just a poor like choice. But I think, the speed force it's when he loses the speed force and so when he doesn't have it he doesn't have those traits which i think makes sense because the reason he is the way he is it's a manifestation of the the fact what this is doing to him both not just physically with his body and having to eat all the time but like mentally everything is sped up and i think that may have been the purpose of it so yeah. I mentioned that because I think I called it out as a negative on our FF Plus when I did my review, and I just have thought about it some, and I wanted to kind of correct myself. Yeah, I, I didn't see the spectrum, but I do get that when you're sort of electrified like that, when you have that much energy going in you all the time, and when you have that much pressure to be the janitor of the Justice League, you you great do line. tend to <laughs> just... Line. It's a great line, yeah. I, I think that this has been done a couple of times in in Superman's storyline both in smallville and i think superman 2 where his powers are gone and there's a small exploration of okay what does this look like when he doesn't have his powers can he can he function as a human being for an episode or for um you know 40 minutes of a of a movie and i think that that if that was done intentionally that would have been something really worth exploring too is to sort of get this understanding of Barry's relationship with the Speed Force, Barry's relationship with his power. Because we get an established Barry at the beginning where he's, for the most part, comfortable with what he does. He's comfortable with being able to phase. He's comfortable with being able to run up walls, you know, all the stuff that we know the Flash can do. And I think that that's good. I don't think we need an origin story of the Flash and a manifestation of his powers. It would have been neat to be able to again removing removing some of the other characters and keeping this a neighborhood based story that when he loses his powers the culmination of that comes from the speed force like the speed force gives his powers back at some point through all this other stuff so like young barry drags him through the speed force and somehow they collide or something happens in the speed force and that 
sort of rotunda of time that he is able to get his powers back and that becomes something significant where at that point then he chooses to not save his mom so i think those types of things the as you mentioned before the end result was i think what warner brothers was trying to get to and they didn't take a lot of care in getting to that point with the story itself and that kind of brings me to like the last question i have which is kind of where do we go from here so this movie seems i think james gunn has sort of described it as sort of a these are my words a bridge movie from the old DCEU to the the Gunverse, I don't know what we're going to call this. I don't feel like it landed that plane very well. I mean, I do feel like we have the Flash, but that's all we have. I don't see Clooney coming back as Batman by any means. I don't want Clooney to come back as Batman, to be honest, because like you, I love all my Superman. I love you know George Reeves. I love Christopher Reeve. I love Henry Cavill more than anything else but anyway uh, i digress and i'll and i'll love uh the 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 future superman whoever that is and in the tv iterations as well but i don't feel like this was a way to get us there i felt like this was a way to sort of put the stamp on saying put that fire out that was the snyderverse and i'm kind of like okay i guess we're done with that now so in my opinion in my humble opinion Barry is stuck in a universe that is not our own. <laughs> and it's in this little pocket world that you can just put on the shelf somewhere on Warner Brothers Studios, like executives bookshelf. And now I think James Gunn has the ability to say, we can forget that now. This is the new way to go. I think that's what he's doing. I don't respect it. Honestly, I don't like it, but I, I guess I kind of respect it because I don't have to worry about what came before, including Ezra, by the way. Yeah, I there's at least a few more coming at least a couple there's the aquaman 2 because that's what the stupid 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 like most maybe most worthless post-credit scene i've ever seen in my life like there literally was nothing to it i'm guessing you didn't stay for it right is that correct i actually did because i am so sorry of all the movies that you i know i know i know I i was i was livid i was already like very upset and not enjoying the film and to leave the theater on that it was just like i felt like i was being slapped in the face i was like are you kidding me right now um so there's blue beetle and then there's aquaman the last kingdom those are i think the only ones left in the dceu and then I guess, theoretically, we would just completely reset. I don't want anything else. I, I, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, you know how much I love Aquaman. It is like a perfect movie to me, but screen tests have not been good for the Lost Kingdom. And it also has been through heck with casting issues, losing one of its actresses to a court battle and like all this nonsense. So Blue Beetle looks fine. It looks fun, but looks kind of cartoony to me. So I, I hope that this is it. I hope that we just ride these two out and then they just complete. I hope it's a complete reset and they do it the right way, which is not trying to connect anything to anything. Just a good old Superman, young Superman movie with crypto crypto, and then do some other character stuff. And ultimately, if you want to bring them together, don't even talk about it. Don't talk about it. Going to happen down the road. Just don't talk <laughs> and they, they can't help themselves. So that won't happen because that's not how marketing works. They want to try and sell things, but that's the best way to do it is to not talk about it. Just to start putting out some movies, make sure they're all good and then tie them together later. Like Marvel did when it worked, but you know, we're going to get like three or four different iterations of Batman all at the same time, which whatever I'm fine. I would rather just do that. Give me a bunch of solo little series of, one, two, three movies each rather than try to put everything into one big universe because Warner Brothers is David Zaslav or the people in charge have made it very clear that's not going to be possible. So like you, I just hope it's over. You know, Ezra, for as good as the performance is, you know, people who don't support the art because they can't get behind the artist, I'm not going to fault them. I'm going to do me, you do you, but I don't blame you if you don't want to support this person. Uh, And I think this person needs help. And it's pretty shocking to me that this person gets to continue to make movies. And as if nothing ever happened when 
many, many other people don't get that treatment when they're in Hollywood. And it's maybe unfair. Uh, and maybe they should focus on some more serious things than making another Flash movie. So, I, if, you know, whatever. I'm ready for it to be done. I really am ready yeah. just for DC to just... I wish they would go away for like three or four years, Patrick. I really do. Yeah. They won't, just but I wish they cleanse would. The, cleanse the palate, mm-hmm. create create distance, and then let's, let's go again. Because here, here's the thing, Aaron. Even when Superman Returns came around, I didn't not like it. I mean, it was okay. It was not my favorite by any means. Brandon Routh? Brandon Routh, yeah. Okay. Brandon Routh. And he loved the character. It, But it came very close to the disaster buckle that was Superman 4. And look, I, I will champion Superman 3 as being a fun little Superman adventure. I do not connect it necessarily to 1 and 2. I think that's Donner stuff. Leave it alone. It's good. Those two are tonally different than... 4 was just bad. Like It was just like, this is a way to cash grab something that you shouldn't do. And even Christopher Reeve has gone on record as saying that was... That was wrong. It's the same way that Stallone talks about Rocky Five. Like, there, there's a point where you just you're making the movie to try to get cash back, and you don't need to do that, especially for beloved characters like Rocky or Super. And so, when Superman Returns rolls around, it's that same thing. It was too close to previous iterations. So, I agree. Take a couple of years off, you know, do stuff in development, but kind of keep it under wraps, and then release it. You know, 2026, 2027, because people are forgiving and people want to watch new content and. As as we're seeing, IPs will never die. At least people will flock to the theaters to see part two or part seven or part ten of something that's been established over something that, in our opinion, probably has a better story and has more emotional weight to it. And that's fine. Love what you love. Be unapologetic about it. I just want good storytelling. And if you're not going to give that to me because you just feel like you have to continuously pump out something what we get is the flash and so i'm like let's go okay we're done i'm good with accepting that let's move on james what do you have for us next i'll wait a couple of years to find out perfectly said agree (laughs) all right well that's gonna do it for this conversation hope you enjoyed it we enjoyed it even despite our differences on the flash and our misgivings or whatever coming up next week we have two options that we're still mulling over we've got elemental or asteroid city one of those two will be covered potentially unless we change our minds and something else will get covered but i'm pretty sure between the two we'll have a good conversation be looking for next week thanks for listening aaron thanks for a great conversation we'll talk soon hey everyone thanks again for listening if you enjoy the show we'd love to hear from you you can leave us a review on itunes or wherever you're listening These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, You can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.